preaching here 32 years, and I've never got to spend a Mother's Day with my mother. And my mother is here today. In fact, uh, five or six of the most important women of my life are here. Uh, Mom, would you stand? My mother is here. And uh, if you can, stand. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. My mother-in-law, keep standing, Mom. My mother-in-law, Nikki, is here, and uh, she's the best mother-in-law I have, and I'm the best son-in-law. Would <laughs> you stand up? My sister, Jane, is here, and my, one of my younger sisters, and she's been encouraging to me all of my life. My aunt, Sudie, is here, who was a confidant and counselor to me when I was a teenager and I had girl trouble probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just by way of inference, uh, she used to have this giant cedar tree over in front of her house and I walked in over there on a Sunday night and one of those birds that I love took right on top of her. And before I thought about it, I did this and this flattery that she helped me get that cleaned out. And my daughter Jennifer is here. Jenny, would you stand up? And my wife Brenda was in the early service and she's over fixing a meal for all of this family that's here. So she's Brenda, I know you can hear me over there in the large fellowship hall. So thank you, honey, for putting up with me all of these years. Uh, I want to begin <laughs> I want to begin the service this morning with an epitaph. When I do funerals, and I've done lots of funerals, uh, I have going to do a funeral for my friend, help with my friend Burt Downing. In fact, in fact, lost two Downings this last week. Uh, lost Miss Dorothy Downing from China Spring, which has been a, uh, one of my mother-in-law's friends since the late 1940s. Uh, and she was, her service was yesterday. And I have Burt Downing's service to help with next Saturday afternoon over from Estes Church. He's been in Lions Club with me. But one of the things I do when I'm waiting for a family to get out to the cemetery is I walk through the tombstones and I read the epitaphs and I found this epitaph and I want y'all to see it. And Andy, if you can take down the lights just a little bit and the center lights here where, where they can see it a little better. I'm going to read it to you if you can't see it. It says, Thank you, Mother. Your life conveyed a message you never had to say. The values that you taught us live in our hearts today unconditional love now I want to share with you folks I've seen lots of epitaphs in my life I've done over 500 funerals out of this church alone but this epitaph written by the children of this particular mother pretty much says all you could say that any mother here would love to have an epitaph like that and I realize some of you have had tremendously wonderful mothers and have been blessed with mothers and grandmothers and aunts and sisters and other people in your life that have been like mothers to you. But we also live in a fallen world. And we live in a world sometimes where mothers aren't all that she should be. Our own school system, believe it or not, there's about 35% of the children will grow up in a, what we would call a traditional home, okay? The other 65% grow up, nothing wrong with it, but they grow up in a home where a mother, maybe, or a grandmother, or a sister, or, or an extended family member, or maybe not even a family member at all, or their father, somebody else is raising them. 
But if you're here this morning, I want you to hear the word of God because that's what I want you to hear more than anything else. Turn with me to the first chapter of Proverbs. Chapter 1 of Proverbs. I'm going to focus on verses 8, 9, and 10, but I want you to understand that verses 8, 9, and 10 are predicated upon the verses that precede them. The verse that you're most familiar with is probably verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my son or my daughter, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son or daughter, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Now the message says it's like this. Pay close attention. Pay close attention, friend, to what your father tells you. Never forget what you learned at your mother's knee. Wear their counsel like flowers in your hair, like rings on your fingers, like an adornment that you're proud of. Anybody in here ever been given instructions and you didn't follow them? Am I getting close? How many men here on the Christmas Eve have tried to put together a swing set without reading the instructions? How many men in here have tried to put together a bicycle? Oh, I've ridden bicycles. Oh, I've had bicycles. Oh, I can do it. And you get the bicycle together and you wonder why it's not going into your life. And you've got all these extra parts. Am I not talking to the right group <laughs> Oh, I know. Y'all have Walmart or Sears or somebody else put your bicycles there. You buy them fully assembled. That's the safest way to buy them in the store. Fully assembled. Okay? How many of you have been given instructions in a class and you didn't follow the instructions? See, years ago, yeah, years ago, years ago, I watched a young person make a hundred on his exam. But he failed to do one thing at the very start of the class. The teacher gave one command at the beginning of the class. Put your name on the top of the page. Put the name on the top of your test. And when the tests were passed out, passed back in, teacher graded the test, went down the list, handed out the test, every student's getting their test, and did anybody not get a test? One single hand in the class. Oh, this must be yours. Oh, by the way, you got every answer right, but you're getting a zero. Why? Because you didn't follow instructions. Now, I shared that story in the early service, and I had one of our members share with me Another story very similar. The teacher got up and said, read the instructions to the test first. Read the instructions to the test first. Kids read through the instructions. They got about halfway down and started to do this and that and this and that. And they skipped on over. What they didn't read was the last line of the instructions. Turn your page for four or five students that went up and turned their paper in after they read the full instructions. They all got 100. Guess what everybody else did? They started working on that test. They didn't pay attention. They all got zeros. You say, well, boy, that's tough. Yeah, 
I can hear it now in our schools today. Oh, my little child never does anything wrong. No, they, they took the test. They didn't read the instructions. They didn't pay attention. Pay attention. How many of you have not paid close attention in your life? Now, some of us are here, and the only way we learn is, guess what? By personal experience. We don't take anybody else's word. We think we, some of us are here, we think we already know it all. I love what Tracy said a while ago. When our parents are younger, we think they don't have any sense. As we get older, it's amazing how much wisdom they gain. Y'all notice that? Yeah, when we're younger, we don't like to listen and we certainly don't like to obey. But the scripture says, listen, my son or daughter, pay attention to your father's instructions. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Remember what you were taught. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't pay attention. And today is parent-child dedication services you've already finalized. And I hope and pray that you will pray for all of these little children we've dedicated today. For little Reg, and for little Gentry, and for little Banner, and little Tutter. And that you will encourage them as they grow in faith, folks. Because they need encouragement to grow spiritually. You know why? Because they're not getting much of that in the world. Okay? They're not get, getting much of showing respect in the world. You know, as I begin today, I want to acknowledge everyone here, everybody here that is a mother, a grandmother, has been a mother, has mothered somebody else. Whether you're male or female, there's some... Some of the dads have had to raise children by themselves here. And I want to acknowledge they've had to be both mother and father. And some of the women here have raised their children by themselves, and they've had to be both mother and father. One of the hardest things for mothers and parents to do is to let their children go when they get up. And to let them make their own decisions. Did y'all know that? You see, as our, as our children got older, as our boys got into college, I had been a father because I'm a pastor and my sons were double and my daughter. Double standards, that's what I call them. Our children were always held to a higher standard. Coaches, sons and daughters are held to a higher standard. Policemen, sons and daughters. Doctors, sons and daughters. I go down the list of teachers, sons and daughters, are held to a higher standard than everybody else. I want to share something with you. Our children were just like your children. They could get in enough trouble by themselves. They didn't need a whole lot of help. So when they were in college, I found out something. I no longer had any control over them. Did you know that? The two boys went to Baylor. Jennifer went to A&M. I called and wanted some information on my children. My two sons. I want to know how they're doing. How much do I owe, etc. I'm sorry, sir, we can't tell you. What do you mean you can't tell me? I'm paying the bills. No. We can't give out that personal information. Your son is the only one that has access to that information. Now, if y'all haven't gotten there yet, I'm telling you about it. <laughs> Said the same thing about my daughter. I need to know how much is, how much you going to what, what about this? I'm sorry, sir, we can't tell. I'm the one paying the bills. Well, you'll have to contact your daughter and have her contact you. See, I realized then I didn't have any more control. And for somebody that's control-oriented, so I started demon 
And Doris Trimble loved every child on that elementary campus as if they were her own. And I got sent to her office one day for fighting her playground. Man, if I know there's not much standing room there, and we got into it over a baseball game, you know, who was out, who was out. And we both got sent down there, and the minute she walked in her office, she had this big old six-foot paddle that said Board of Instruction on it. Handle was carved out, had holes drilled through it, the name was written out, the name of that paddle, Board of Instruction. I want to be candid with you. I don't know that anybody ever got a spanking from that Board of Instruction because what she did when you went in there, your heart, and immediately your heart was filled with fear. It was there for the mind game. And then she would take you back into her office and she would have a talking to. You know what? You ever had a talking to? I'll be honest with you, most children here that know what a talking to is, they'd rather have the pattern than have the talking to. Because seeing the talking to, the person doing the talking to usually is after why you did something. And they'll use your conscience. And sometimes they use guilt. And sometimes they use shame to draw it out of you. But their whole goal is to help you do right. And to help you learn from that experience. The scripture says, Pay attention. Pay close attention. Never forget. Do not forsake those who have taught you. All of us should learn from those who have mentored us, who have taught us. Several years ago, I had the privilege. Y'all know I love, I love golf. I don't get to play much, but I love golf. But several years ago, when I was a young man, I got to play with Ben Crenshaw, Tom Kite, y'all know those names, don't you? And Tom Watkins. He's a little bit older. You say, well, how did you? They were 12, 13 years old, and I got to play in the Texas-Oklahoma Junior Tournament with them up in Wichita Falls, Texas. At 12 and 13 years of age, those young men, Tom Kite and Ben Crenshaw, were shooting par and subpar golf at 12 and 13. And I wasn't in their same class, so y'all know several flights above them. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about when I say flight. They, they fly to you according to your ability. And I was back then, I was up in the mid-80s. I played pretty good golf, actually. But you know what? Both of those young men played for the University of Texas, Crenshaw and Kyle. Both of them had as their teacher Harvey Pennant. Longtime coach. University of Texas golf team from 1931 to 1963. 32 years he coached the UT golf team. 32 years, 22 of those years, he had national championships, Southwest Conference championships and national championships with his team. And what you need to know about Harvey Pinnock is at age 13, he was assistant to the pro of golf course in Austin. So he loved and he knew and he early understood. He learned more about golf and he was a better teacher than he was a player. And he read two little classic books on golf. They're both worth reading if you like golf. You say, well, what's that got to do with motherhood? Everything. Learn from those that taught you, that mentored you. Pay attention to what they taught you. On April the 5th, 1995, Ben Crenshaw and Tom Kite were pallbearers Harvey Pennant's funeral. The next week, 
Ben Crenshaw won the Masters Golf Tournament at age 59. In honor to his teacher. One last time, he won the golf tournament at the Masters. That's such an advanced stage. That's an old, if y'all don't know, that's old for golfers. Phil Mickelson, one of the oldest ones playing on the tour right now. Mentor for Tom Watson, Byron Nelson. We have a championship named after him. Tom Watson was just a couple of years older than Pike and Watson. And he almost won the British <coughs> Open at age 59, back in 2010, years ago now. Y'all figure out how old he is. He missed it by one stroke. He would have been the oldest one to ever win a major championship. My mentor in golf, Raymond Dean. Oh, y'all hadn't heard of him, I don't guess. He wasn't on the tour. He was an old part-time rancher. He took off his cowboy boots to play and he pulled a little pull cart and he let me play along with him. And he would hit the ball no more than 150 yards every shot, but it was right down the middle. Every shot, right down the middle. So that on nearly any hole on our little nine hole golf course, he would be laying up and he'd chip up one putt, chip up and two putts. And he consistently shot 39 to 41, 42. And you see, Raymond Dean learned early on, even in his advanced stage, it's not how hard you hit the ball, it's how you hit the ball. And most of your mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, aunts, teachers, whoever's taught you, they would say it's not how fast you go through life or how hard you go through life. It's how you learn to live life one day at a time. Get up all the way and say, God, and are you living for the Lord? Are you learning from each day? Do not forsake your mother's teaching. The word for teaching here is the same word for Moses' law, Torah, in the Hebrew. Learn from what has already gone on. Life has never been easy. Sometimes there are many choices. And sometimes we have a choice between what is best and what is better. Sometimes the choice is a lot easier. We have a choice between what's wrong and what's right. And I want to share something with you. It's always easy to choose the easy wrong over the hard right. You know why? Because gravity helps us. We're inclined to sin. We're inclined to do the wrong thing. Only if the Lord Jesus is in our heart and our spirits are filled with his spirit will we choose the right thing. Very next sentence says, My son or daughter, if sinners entice you, stay away from them. Do not consent. My grandmother always used to say, Son, be careful who you keep company with because you will be known by the company you keep. Y'all all know. Your pressure among teens and college students is tremendous. To be accepted, to be a part of the group, to be have those friends. And sometimes young people, male or female, are enticed to do the wrong thing just to be accepted. Folks, I want to tell you, there'd be a lot more young people alive. There'd be a lot more, a lot less people, young people in jail, had they stayed true to what they were taught. Be a lot 
fewer young people hooked on drugs. There'd be a lot more young people that were chased until marriage, but they were virgins when they got married rather than already had a multitude of experience sexually. How many students in our schools would not cheat on the test if they knew they could honor the Lord fully in their lives? You see, a person who stands out in a crowd who others take notice of is the one who stands up for what is right, no matter how much the persecution is. The one who stands up for what is right in their midst. We all need reminders, folks, to help us to do the right thing. And we need to be reminded little eyes are always watching us. I close with a story. Watch. Two little boys sitting on the front row, one of Protestant, one of Catholic. Said the preacher, I know that I've been here three weeks with him. He takes off his watch every Sunday. What does that mean? <coughs> little Protestant boy said, little Catholic boy said, that means a thing. He puts it there to make you think that he's going to quit on time this morning. <laughs> I'm quitting on time this morning, folks. <laughs> Father, I thank you for the day. Thank you for all those who blessed our lives and to help nurture us and lead us and guide us to mothers and grandmothers, aunts and sisters and dads and uncles and teachers and coaches and people that we work for, people that have influenced our life. Help us to pay close attention to your word always, Lord, and help us to do the right thing in Jesus' name is what we pray. Amen. I'm going to sing a hymn of invitation here this morning, more about Jesus, hymn number 600. If you have a decision you'd like to make, I'd be happy to visit with you about it. Would you stand? And that's the